Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Langdon DeMint here, my dear friend, Julian. How's it going, Jules? It's good. I'm uh, just to let you know, because I, I never stay in the same place long enough twice. I'm actually in good old Chicago town again. Yeah. You got the, the old Chicagoopoly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually in one of those. I'm actually in one of those offices where you could be anywhere in the world. Though. They all look the same. Well, good. Glad you're here. Glad you're here safely. Most important. We have a we have a guest with us. Another bald guy that has joined our presence. It's an honor to have Simon Jones here. Simon, how are you? Would you like to give a quick intro? Welcome, bald friend. Uh, thank, thank you. I, it is a pleasure to be here with you, gentlemen. The, the third bald guy today, albeit bespectacled, as you can see, to make me look um, semi-intelligent. There we go. There is a certain air of sophistication about one with glasses. I will. I'll give that to you. That. Thank you. Uh, whether or not it goes quite with the um, the scouse accents, what one will never know. I'm do, I'm doing my best. <laughs> so sophisticated well done well, Simon, it's, it is a pleasure to have you here um, would you like to give a quick intro for yourself sorry I feel like you could do better justice than we could not not at all not at all uh, I, I'm Simon everybody Simon Jones um, I've been in, in, in the safety game obviously for a, for a number of years now I've, I've gone and written a couple of books which um, are doing reasonably well actually um, they're called The Safety Salesman and uh, one's called Shoot from the Lip. That was the first one. And the second one, released yesterday, is called Big Mouth Writes Again. And I think we're here to, to talk about them. Well, congrats to the newly released book. I haven't gotten myself one yet, but I will definitely be open to getting that. I remember the first one. Saw it. Have it, actually. So I'm excited to read the second one. Could you could you help me, though? I, have, I need some advice here. I for years have thought about writing a book. So it's when I write, I am a little technical. Well, uh, so there's two ends of the spectrum here. I either write a little technical because my undergrad's biology and I'm used to the science, just kind of writing of that, or I write very childish, humorous, but wanting to get to the same point. I want to start off with a children's book, but then I want to work my way to actually writing a book like you have and, you know, others that friends of mine have written, you know, in the safety realm. So I don't need you to necessarily tell me how to write like a child because I've already got that checked. But how did you come about even getting to writing a health and safety book? Yes, but many would even wonder whether I actually have. Um, my, my stuff is obviously very unique to me and I write in, in, in my voice and I, how I like it. Any advice I would, I would give you is, is just have a go and be yourself at first. It's probably actually quite hard to write a children's book. It's probably harder than you think without being too, um, you know, too technical or maybe dumbing it down too much. I don't think I'd want to attempt a children's book. I think that'd be quite hard to do. Tough audience. But, you know, just maybe have a go and be yourself. I started, you know, um, just doing like blogs. That's how I started. And then mine at first were probably a little bit more formal than, than I wanted. Um, and then I changed to sort of more of a style that just how I sort of speak. 
because the whole idea with my stuff is it's to be relatable. And if that's what you're after, you know, maybe just try and, and just hear yourself speaking as you write. Because that, that, that's what I try and do. If I could work out how to sort of do an audio book, which, you know, I think these are probably crying out for that. That's the next stage for, for this, my stuff, you know. Just be yourself, mate. That's what I'd do. I think that's pretty good. I was, I was just going to jump in, Simon, because I was going to say, having read the... Because I have read the whole of the second book now. Um, so I can, I can do a succinct summary, if you like, of the second book. Um, I, I would call it... it, it I love it because it's kind of... I would call it a ramble, but it's a great ramble. It's kind of... It's kind of I can hear you talking as I'm reading it. Um, but it's... If I summarise... There's lots of references to great music, yeah. Um, we, we seem to have a real alignment when it comes to bands. Um, there's some really great references to, to film, yeah? Yeah. So, uh, again, there could be some spoilers in there if you're behind the times in terms of watching some well-known sequels that have come out recently. Um, there's also some great references to crispy snacks, and that's the <laughs> bit that really got to me. Um, because actually your top two crispy snacks are exactly the same top two that I would have. And I would sum them up as they're crap crisps in UK parlance, but they taste great. So you can go and buy really expensive chips, as, as Langdon would say, but, but actually sometimes the cheap chips are the really good ones. So quick question. Yep. Is there a difference between crisps and crispy snags? Well, crisp, no, I, I meant by that crisps. Bags of oh, I was going to say, we're, I'm lost, but okay. Yeah, but well, they're, they're, they're all from like when I was at school and you'd come home off the school bus and maybe I'd like 25 pence left from your school dinner money and I'd go into the shop and buy myself a bag of Monster Munch or something, you know. So it's, it, it, you're right, it is all the crap ones, but um, there's a fella from KP, like snacks, who makes some of them. He's been on to me already saying that I, I hope ours are in the top five. So, well, you have to read it, won't you? But it, you're right. It is, it's getting, it is getting back to me. It. it is it is deliberately written like rambling um, for for a reason to, to make it even more conversational. I actually looked at how maybe some like Billy Connolly, do you know, do you know Billy Connolly is like? Mm-hmm, I do. So how, how he tells a joke sort of goes all round various things then comes back to the sort of punchline at the end I, I think that's quite clever that so I, I i try and you know do do stuff like that as much as i can but it, it's mainly to break up what is a incredibly dry subject that's what that's why i do it it's you know to get to make it relatable it's funny what people pick out the other thing i was going to say simon was because you credit quite a few people at the beginning of the book Yes, and, and I'm determined we're going to get a credit in in book three. Definitely. So I'm going to I'm going to call you the John Grisham of, <laughs> of health and safety writing because you you you're kind of coming up to your trilogy when you get your next one out. That's pretty serious, though. It, it's not bad going, is it? Considering that you know I hadn't got a clue what I was doing, and um, I've just done it for a bit of a laugh. The 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 first one took a bit of time to do because um, I had to learn because I'm obviously it's all self published and sell everything that I've done everything and learning how to use that sort of software and everything that that took a bit of time this time it was much easier with the formatting and the, and the writing the second one probably took about six months to do I did start it as I said in, in the May um, number three is already 
underway. You know, if I had John Grisham's money, it'd be all right, wouldn't it? You, know, but, you, <laughs> you know. never know. You never, well, you never know. Pretty pretty soon, you can charge thousands for appearance fees. I mean, not not for this. I hope. Good grief! I, I didn't get that invoice, but. Uh, but no, you'll definitely be a number three. That, that you know, I, I put that in at the end. That's like a James Bond throwback, isn't it? From the end, end of the James Bond films, James Bond will return in. Dot, dot, dot. I thought I'll have, I'll have a bit of that in that one. So you picks that up. Well, yeah, the, the, the title for number three is already there, and all the chapters are there. Do you know what? All the chapters for, for number three have come from this Christmas. Um, took the kids out ice skating. Obviously, I don't ice skate. Not a man of my physique. Um, it would be wrong. Um, and I just sat there watching them and, and all the chapters all sort of came to me all in one go 10, 11 just ideas of what I think is a funny chapter and even the, the, the heading you know the, the title of the book came on that day and then I've got to sit down now and figure out what it's all about but as, as I said to, to Julian before a lot of the my stuff and this, this might help you Landon is don't, don't overthink it too much you might start writing and go on one direction and be like, and then think you, you'll go off maybe and, and, and do something a bit, bit different. And that's the exciting bit about of the writing that I like. You know, where I start, I've got a loose map, but I like to sort of maybe take it, you know, where where it, your subconscious wants to take it. And things like the, the postscript, for example, in the second book, that, that came purely from... Uh, Dave, Dave Four, you wrote the foreword for this one. When he sent that back to me, I read that, and that sparked an idea, you know, how to end it, and and that and that's quite nice. That that's quite a nice way of of doing it, you know. Well, you know, just pitching. If if you need anyone to do a forward for you on the next book, we're we're available. Well, do you know what number 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 three? Number three is already this, this is how you know this is how how in demand I must be. Number three is it is already promised to, to a another, but num- there is a there is a number four. Uh, so you know you could be on number four, can't you? But you, you'll get a mention anyway. On number three, lads, calm yourselves down. Calm yourselves down. You'll be you'll be a number three. I think I think the the biggest the biggest compliment I can pay you, Simon, about your books is they're a bit like the aforementioned monster munches and snacks that they're really easy to consume. And I think and I think that's really important when when we get into safety because, like you said, I think one of your points is you. It's it's you say you're not highbrow and serious, but actually highbrow and serious just puts people off, doesn't it? Yeah, it it does. It does. I thought you were going to say you similar to crisps in the in the, the crap. Um, I was slightly worried then for the second. The the idea is they are supposed to be appro- you know approachable and relatable, but I think underlying it, I hope people sort of get the idea that um, you know I do actually know what I'm doing, and um, you know it took a long time to to get to here uh, and all the hard work to, to, to get to that. And I think once you you can do that and you can understand it, I think then it's a good way of breaking it down rather than it just be, you know, a load of nonsense. Or sometimes I think people overcomplicate things maybe to to compensate for some, for things that perhaps they don't understand as much as, as they could, you know. I was going to say as well, it, it it's it's about painting a different picture of what safety is, is, is about, isn't it? Because it's got this... Terrible image. And again, one of the other references in the book is to one of my favourite British com- comedians, who actually one of his characters that he has is the, the classic health and safety guy. Um, 
And, and again, it paints that slightly different picture. And I mean, I think one of the lines that really resonated with me was you talked about when you go into a new role, how do you sort of establish yourself and, and not be seen as that typical safety police walking around with a clipboard? Yeah, and it's, it, and it's really hard to do because even if you're not that person, lots of people will, will assume that you are just by, you know, your job title or the field in which you're working. And, and, and there's lots of people who aren't like that, but there's also lots of people who still are. And I think it's those sorts of people that maybe are, you know, they are a job's worth or they are, you know, maybe they are a little bit unsure of themselves. And it's 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 difficult for, for, for people sometimes. I think I think because of the, my sort of background and what I've what I've come from, you know, I do from 15 years of policing there before I was doing this, you, you can look at things perhaps through a slightly different lens uh, and, and be a little bit more relaxed because people will think, you know, we'll look at a, a police officer and have maybe an image or an idea of what a police officer is like. But I did lots of different sort of roles and, and jobs in the police, you know, including some sort of, you know, undercover sneaky sort of sneaky beaky kind of stuff, which again, is, it involves a different kind of, you know, way of being. So it, it, it's it's what I've what I've come to. But I I started out doing all this really for um, for veterans. I thought they were the ones that would understand where I was coming from, um, you know, the most. Because there wasn't really I couldn't see many uh, sort of ex police doing it. It's not it's not it's much of a, tr- a well trodden path as it is for sort of ex military people. So I started writing more for them. Because lots of people felt I could see were maybe a little bit lost or didn't know how to how to sort of transition, but that's where it all started from. But yeah, it, it is about breaking the you know even the stereotype, even the front covers. You know, the front I picked the front covers for for a reason. The first the first one was supposed to be a bit of a riff on like you you might know these Lander, but you might not like Ladybird books. Have you heard of them? They, yeah. They're like kids. You got a couple. Yeah, they're like kids books where they're like an old fashioned kind of photo on the front and that was that was the idea behind the first one and the, even the colors like it's like it's like safety colors aren't they the yellow and the black and it was and that that's a riff on a, on a, on a factory records poster the first one but then the second one i just threw that out the window really i thought i'll make it really obscure and put a picture of a cake on the front of it but it isn't really a cake it's a sponge that looks like a cake uh you know and, and, the, and the neon colors you know it's a fun sponge. Yeah, so the, the 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 you know the front cover was all of, you know that's why I picked the the the, the neon colours and like a mixtape sort of eighties vibe. But the, the, you've got to read the the book to understand the front cover really. And I, and, the, and I'll do the same with with the third one or something obscure. The third one, and it gets people just looking at it already because a few people have looked at it and messaging me online going, "What what what what's this going to do with safety?" As a picture of a sponge cake on the front, you know. Have a have a read, my friend. You tell me. <laughs> you know, I, I love the Ladybird books, though. That's the one that's like the wife, the mom. That yeah. Every time I used to go to the UK, I would I felt like I would bring one back. I brought one back. The wife for my wife, you know, did the the mom. Which at the time I didn't really know. I was like, yeah, hey, these are neat little British books. So I would just buy them, and then you get reading them, and you're like, huh, there's more to this. Yeah, and the, you know they're, they're sort of tongue in cheek, aren't they? And, and that that suits my sort of style. But the, that, that's what we were aiming for with the first one because Sharon, my wife, 
designs all the the, the, the book covers for me. But we we we've stuck on the idea where the like the lines they line up like where where it says the safety salesman on the front of the first one that matches the second one. So eventually, if they do become you know a series of however many, they'll they'll look quite nice on the shelf or whatever. You know, I have thought about this. You know, that's the shelf or the coffee table or two. <laughs> Crucial places. Either. Either. Yeah, I'm with you. What kind of, and you alluded to it. So, you know, thinking about what led you here. I mean, you said that you don't ice skate because you, you, someone of your stature. Well, I know a little bit about your past from what we've talked about, which is slightly opposite because I would feel like you should be able to. So maybe like what, what got me into health and safety, for example. So, because I want to hear what led to you now where you are. But for me, you know, I, I will be honest, I was planning on doing optometry. That had kind of been my goal for as long as I could remember. Or, you know, being a professional golfer, which that was not going as planned. So then it was optometry. Stop, Jules. So then it's been much better than last, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I keep telling my wife, just give me a couple of years of practice. I could make it. But anywho, it's neither here nor there. If... It, what kind of led me was I started working with a friend of mine who was an industrial hygienist. And I was in between, you know, I just graduated in December. So I was waiting anyways to, to hopefully do the optometry school thing. And I was working with him. I was like, you know, I like this. And he was on the board at Murray State. So I ended up going to school, getting my master's in occupational health and safety, industrial hygiene. Then with the intent of, you know, I was going to be a health and safety, you know, industrial hygienist, potentially that uh, specific aspect. So it was a, it was planned. And if I go back, Jules has heard me tell this. My dad was president of a, a big building materials and concrete plant. And even as a child, I used to go around and spray paint around the fire extinguishers, you know, so it was probably inherent in an early age and I just didn't know it. Um, I tried to deny it evidently, but you know, so that's me. It was kind of a, you know, uh, it was a planned attack, so to speak. How how about you? Uh, uh, not planned at all. Um, literally fell into it. Uh, I, I, as you, as you know, I, I you know I was quite merrily going along there, um, policing, uh, and I've been doing that since. You know, I was twenty one. Joined up straight straight from university. That's what I wanted to do, and. Um, through through injury and and the ill health that came from that that was that was taken away and I was I was you know all joking apart in a in a bad way for you know quite a long time um, physically and and sort of mentally wasn't you know it really did almost finish me off you know I'd, I'd nearly died at one point from it um, how did I get into safety I did literally fall into it I went to um, when I when I could work again or wanted to work again, because um, it took me nearly two years sort of to, to get over um, where I was, I was at home a lot, and um, I was looking at sort of other other jobs I could do or I'd be interested in, because it was really hard because well, that's all I wanted to do, you know. And even then, when I was sort of in my mid thirties, that was still what I wanted to do really, but I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. So I went to a college to cut a long story short, local college by by us, just to have a look at their sort of becoming a lecturer or, you know, doing something like that. And I was just sat in, in their induction 
program, and this is true. Somebody just came over and said, "You've got some safety qualifications," and I said, "Yes," because I had I had some from when I was policing. And they said, "There's a job going here. Do you fancy it?" I said, "Not really," um, <laughs> and I didn't. And I didn't. And I just didn't. I didn't. I hadn't even considered it because um, I thought I'll either go go into teaching, maybe, or you know, maybe retrain to to be a solicitor or something like that. But I wasn't. I wasn't keen on that. And um, I literally just fell into it. Fell into it. I got. They. I got. I went for the interview anyway. Um, they give me a chance, and. That was it. I, I didn't look. I haven't looked back. Ten, ten years later, um, I'm doing it. I, I decided to sort of join companies that I'd have something to learn from. So I'd never, you know, I'd never worked in the, anywhere else other than policing at that that stage. So I tried to pick companies that I thought were, were good at doing safety, um, so decent sort of roles really. And I moved around to to you know to get myself that sort of experience. And I moved sectors. Um, again, to sort of get experience. The hardest part was getting the first job, you know, and that's why I'll always have time for the college. Um, then I try and do stuff and go back as often as I can to help them different things because they did give me the, you know, what has been a second career far now outreaching, you know, in terms of how far I've got from policing, you know, financially, it's it's a completely different ball game altogether, and, and safety now is 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 what I do, you know, it's. Policing was something that I did. It, it switched the other way around, but that I fell into it, just fell into it, and then decided I quite like this. And once you sort of get your head around the technical bits and you, the, the learning curve starts to flatten out a bit, you, you realise you've got a lot of skills and, and transferable sort of attributes that can be really good in this kind of work, you know. So that's what I'm doing. You know, you said... You just said something when somebody first asked you about doing safety. You said no. What? Wh- why? Because I had that preconceived idea as well about who goes into this kind of role, or maybe what this role is all about. You know, it. it I. My brother said to me when I told him, he did say, as as Jules has said about that Keith Lard character you know what, what are you doing you know it's and I I, I was re- I did have to think about it I did have to think about it long and hard really whether I I actually wanted to do it but pretty much as soon as I started doing it I, I you know I, I enjoyed it I mean I enjoyed more, certain aspects of it in certain sectors more than others um but yeah I don't you know I, I, I what you do now and that's why I was asking you know same way same way on my end I think about it and I was very much, when I tell friends or anything, you know, when I got into it, oh, so you're OSHA? <laughs> Stop. No, you know, I'm not OSHA. There is a there is a different side to health and safety that's not OSHA. Uh, so, and and that's why that's why I ask. And you know, kind of thinking about it with Jules, you know, same way, Jules. Once you give a quick, you have before, but what took you into doing some health and safety? It's been a transition for you as well. So yeah, I mean it's, it's it's a good point, Langdon. Um, I think we all we all fall into safety differently, don't we? Using Simon's term, um, and, and I was oblivious to safety for a long time, even, even working in in a in a fairly heavy industry. Um, and it was only when I saw a colleague get really seriously injured um, 
when somebody turned on a machine that he was working on. That that was sort of the spark of it, but it was a gradual thing for me that, that sort of that awareness came and the importance came. And I think that kind of leads us really neatly, Simon, into one of your passions, which is how, how do we start attracting youngsters and, and, and people into this profession at an earlier stage and, and more deliberately? Yeah, it, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because you've got to, it's got to be, got to be an attractive um, prospect. And I think certainly from a maybe a financial point of view, it can be quite attractive if people actually realise how much, you know, the, some of the salaries you can earn in certain sectors or even at sort of more junior levels. I just don't think it, there's enough sort of information for, for, for young kids to, to understand, you know, that it is actually a role and there's different roles within that role. I like the idea of um, like apprenticeships for it at the moment. I think that's a really good idea. I, I'd love to take somebody on um, for that. Um, somebody I'm supporting, actually, a friend of the family recently, he, he's probably about 21 now, um, been in sort of quite a, a high um high-end mechanical engineering uh, graduate job and has just lost his way with it, really. He wants to move into safety, but he'll be able to do like things that I can't do, like process safety and, and that kind of stuff. And it, it, it's got a really it's got a really good career path there, potentially. It's just getting people interested in it, but you've got to get it through the, cut through the noise of it being boring or it being, you know, a bit, a bit sort of a, 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 maybe, you know, an older person's job. Or a second job. I, I love that idea, Simon, of apprenticeships, and you, and you wonder whether maybe mm. some of the some of the sort of bodies in the US and and the UK can start to promote that sort of concept and start sort of trying to attract youngsters in, maybe straight from college. They, they, from they, they are they are they are already apparently they are certain colleges certainly in the UK are are running them. I'm yet to see to see one like in the northwest where I live. I bought you know. It's not to say they, they, they wouldn't exist, but yeah, that's that that kind of thing certainly would help, um, you know, promote it. They, they, but you, I think for that, it's the sort of job where I think if you if you are young, maybe you are a school leaver or something like that, you have to men be mentored. You have to shadow somebody. Like I, I I'm self taught, but I had fifteen years of of work and a certain type of work behind me, you know, and I was able to sort of transition that way that's not to say i didn't jump on the on the backs of other people but um or you know or go sort of seek help but i think if you if you're fresh out of college or school you definitely need somebody with you sort of as a guiding hand you you touched on some some really good points earlier and you talked about transferable skills um and and and, and i think you're saying there is life experience is really useful in as a safety person isn't it as a safety professional and i think I wanted to finish off because I'm conscious of, of we're running out of time, but we need to get you back because there's so much more we could talk about. Um, and I'm desperate to get in that forward for that third book or, or, or fourth. <laughs> um, but I think, I think one of your transferable skills, and it's on the cover of the book, so maybe we could quickly talk about that. And you talk about, you talk about being a big mouth, but actually there's a really good point behind that, isn't there? Yeah, the, 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 there is. And it, it's about... Um, being able to speak to people because if you can't speak to people in in this game and, and policing was the same, uh, it can be very very hard for people. And I think that's where some of the uh, the people that maybe struggle with, with um, 
getting their messages across or maybe sort of getting some of their initiatives off the ground and engaging people, I think that's where where they're lost because it has attracted or it still sort of seems to have attracted some a certain type of person who maybe thinks it's just okay to try and push regulations on people or rules. But actually human humans don't really like that. And policing wasn't like that, albeit a you know, a uniform helps and this kind of stuff. It can help, but still I, I learned it was much easier to use your mouth um to, to you know to get things across better. But I, I think that's you know, they don't teach that in any textbook. They don't teach it in any you won't you won't see it. Um and I think that's a really good way of, of, of succeeding, you know. I think that's a great point because and I've talked about it here in the States, especially I think of Murray State where I went to grad school and I didn't even have to be grad. I'm in the undergrad health and safety and I'm very familiar with a lot of programs that do it. They pushed internships every summer. That was that's what you did. Some people took off semesters to stay in their internships and then came back. And I like it because, you know, Jules, I'm, I got to throw it in. It's been a couple of weeks, you know, camaraderie. It's really pretty crucial. And don't, don't laugh. Yeah, it's true. This health and safety, if you get, if I think if you have the mindset of just, I want to go do my thing and not be open to communicating, you're not going to be successful in this, in this field. Whether you're consulting, who then you're the one-time person who comes in maybe annually if that, at best, you know, or, you know, that to the opposite where you're in there every day. Get to know the workers. Get to know everyone because it's, you know, who wants to listen if you're not having that relationship and that rapport? And that's tough right now, I feel like, as the younger generation comes in and is used to, you know, I think that's a great point. It, it's 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 probably the, the the underlying theme of of both books, and it's probably the underlying theme of my whole sort of approach, really, which was all about you know sell, don't tell, and you know you're selling something that not everyone wants to buy. Policing was the same, you know. How, how do you get your sort of messages across in, in a way? And it's about being you know a person. That's why the books are written in the way that they are. Um, it's about just human connection, isn't it? Before we wrap up, there were three things that really resonated with me, and I like to finish with a with a comedy reference. So I'll do that. Um, the, the first one, Simon, was you talked about the getting to the people at the front line, and again, that's something that really resonates with what we've talked about on the pod previously. Myself and Langdon is how do we how do we get that better engagement with employees, and, and again, don't make safety this dry, boring thing that people don't want to engage with. Um, Secondly, you talk about don't be complacent um, and don't settle for safe enough. And, and, and the word you use, I love it, is bullshit. Don't settle for safe enough because it is, it's, it's bullshit, isn't it? And, and actually, we've got to keep looking for how we can, we can keep improving. But my favourite ending is, is one I've got to use before I, I let Langdon wrap us up, which is there's a, a great comedy programme in the UK and it's called The Royal Family. Um, and, and one of the lead characters in the royal family likes to pontificate and he'll pontificate about something and then he'll finish his sentence with my arse, which is his kind of derogatory way of sort of suggesting it, it's, it's, not, it's not that good a point. Um, and, and you talk about that in, in the book and, and in your words, it's um, this whole thing around businesses saying it's safety first or safety is a priority, my arse. And I think, again, 
absolutely resonates with so many so many people who listen to this pod that we hear that phrase and it doesn't mean anything. But at that point, I'll stop pontificating um, and I'll hand over to to my uh, my bold compadre to to wrap things up for us. Everyone, we appreciate you listening in. Simon, it was a pleasure to to have you here. I look forward to being able to read book number two and hopefully taking part in books number three or four. <laughs> well, you know, if you don't ask, you don't guess, as I always say. <laughs> You're more than welcome. As I say, book book number three is already um, already spoken for. But number number four, you know, you could be your number four. Why not? Yeah, that works. Well, everyone, grab your copy, um, and we look forward to talking to you again. And Simon, it was a pleasure. Thank thank you again. We look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Everyone, stay safe. Watch your own back, and watch each other's back out there. Everyone, really appreciate you tuning into this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone... While you're going about your days, about your normal lives, stay safe out there and watch each other's back. <laughs>